and welcome to this week's B-Side. I am absolutely astonished right now. I'm sitting at my laptop in my office in DPS headquarters. And I'm reading a news report. It's breaking. Three days after the Iowa caucuses were held. We finally have a winner. And that winner is not the man who received the most votes, which is something that the Democrats said would never, ever happen again. In fact, Buttigieg went on record just a couple of months ago, suggesting that it was completely and thoroughly unjust that anyone who didn't receive the most amount of votes, as Trump did not in 2016, Buttigieg says it was totally unjust for that to ever happen again. It was immoral and it was anti-democratic. Well, here that very man stands, that potential CIA operative, the would-be first neoliberal gay president of the United States, is claiming victory on the basis of a one-tenth of a percent advantage in the state delegate equivalence category. Now, as I broke down with Daniel Marins a couple of weeks ago and with Eric Levitz just earlier this week for the A-side There were a series of reforms that followed the debacles in 2016, which brought the Sanders folks back on side in the Democratic Party, which delivered unto us a blessing in disguise. Because most years, we would only be delivered these state delegate equivalent measures, which, as I talked about with Dan Marins, is a electoral college-esque style measure. But thanks to the difficult efforts of this Truth and Reconciliation Committee, which I jokingly call it, which followed from the 2016 elections, the brave work of people like Nomiki Konst and Senator Nina Turner, we now have three measures that have been reported as a result of the Iowa caucus, and that is state delegate equivalents, the popular vote, and the precinct count. So we have a count of how many precincts each candidate won after the final vote was taken. We have, of course, a popular vote, which is just the number of votes that each candidate received during the first vote and the second vote, the final votes that happen in these difficult and complex uh, caucus situations. And then, of course, we have the number of precincts that they won. Uh, All three of those numbers could be different and overlapping. And as we see, Buttigieg is now claiming victory, final victory, with 100% of the votes finally being reported three days later. Okay. He barely ekes out a state delegate equivalent vote over Sanders. However, Sanders has received at the final vote, 2,500 more votes than Buttigieg. In the first vote, Sanders received 6,000 more votes than Buttigieg. It looks like we're in 2016 all over again, doesn't it? Or perhaps 2,000 Bush v. Gore style. And yet none of that nuance and complexity has made its way into the headlines. Buttigieg's face is all over CNN. The New York Times proclaims that Buttigieg ekes out a tight race, never mentioning the fact that Bernie Sanders was the person that he eked out this tight race, race over, or moreover, that Bernie Sanders received far more votes in this process. But that should come as no surprise to any of you out there who have witnessed this virtual news blackout that Bernie has faced over the past 12 some odd months. So Mayo Pete has had his moment in the sun. He put all of his resources into Iowa and people knew that he would be competitive there because he had a very competitive field operation 
in that state. But that's not the end of the story because New Hampshire is right around the corner. And that's not going to be some ridiculous and convoluted caucus process. That's going to be a primary where all you got to do is show up and pull a lever. And luckily for us, Bernie Sanders, despite Buttigieg receiving a little bit of a bump from his quote-unquote victory in Iowa, Sanders is still up in the polls by 4 or 5% or more, depending on who you ask. And finally, in my little Iowa Democratic Party primary wrap-up for this week, I just want to mention that there's another report that's coming out from 538.com. Yes, Nate Silver, douchebag-in-chief, is a part of that project. He is a key uh, polling data scientist, if you will, if he deserves the moniker, over at 538. Uh, and they are wrong about a lot of things. Um, but the report that they put out today is absolutely astonishing. And I have to tell you, my jaw is still on the fucking floor when I read this report. Okay. The report is called, Who Will Win the 2020 Democratic Party Primary? And it goes over some of the simulations that they've run and the various polls that they are tabulating and combining and all this other complex shit that I don't frankly understand because I have no data scientist training whatsoever. But he goes over things state state by state in terms of who is most likely to win each primary. And this was absolutely astonishing. Following the Iowa caucus, who will win the New Hampshire primary? Sanders. Who will win the Nevada caucuses? Sanders. Who will win the South Carolina primary? The South Carolina primary, which for months and months, if not the entirety, the entire duration of the 2020 Democratic Party primary has been a foregone conclusion that it would go to Biden. 538 says, who will win the South Carolina primary? Sanders. Who will win the California primary? Massive state, a ton of delegates up for grabs. Sanders. Who will win the Texas primary? Another massive state. Sanders. Who will win the North Carolina primary? Sanders. Who will win the Virginia primary? Sanders. Massachusetts. Sanders. Minnesota. Sanders. Colorado. Sanders. Tennessee. Sanders. Alabama. Sanders. Although Biden has a pretty good chance in Alabama, it being a deep state, a deep south state rather. And on down the list. Oklahoma. Arkansas, Utah, Maine, of course, Vermont, Michigan, Washington, Missouri, Mississippi, Idaho, North Carolina, Democrats abroad, the Northern Marianas Islands, Florida, Illinois, all Sanders. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know how to act right now, people. It's somebody pinch me. Now, we know that these, this, these are just polls. 538 has been wrong about a lot of things. Okay, Nate Silver and his posse over there at 538 predicted or it gave Hillary Clinton a 70% chance of winning the 2016 general election. Of course, that didn't pan out, but a lot of people were wrong about that. And that was a, a very, let's say, mold-breaking scenario that played out there in a lot of ways. It broke the polls. So I think it certainly pays to have a little bit of humility, to exercise a little bit of caution about some of these projections. But I got to be honest with you. I knew that Sanders would get a bump after he showed his viability and his electability and the strength of his organizing platform, his his field operations, his ground game, if you will. I knew he would receive a bump and I knew he was ahead big in, in New Hampshire. But I had no idea that 538, a, an outfit that is no friend of the political revolution, that 538 would have him winning 
every single primary and caucus that there will be. (laughs) Every fucking primary, every caucus. Sanders is the forecasted victor. This is unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, we've been talking about this for, for months and years. That Sanders has the strength, he has the vision, he has the message to excite a large number of people who are sick of the status quo, who are sick of business and politics as usual. We also knew that he would have an incredible ground game, which he has. The last I heard, the Bernie volunteers were knocking on more than one door every minute of the day in the state of New Hampshire leading up to the primary. We all know about the millions of text messages that have been sent out. We all know about the millions of dollars that have come from small donors across the country over the course of this primary season. And yet we never thought that the political revolution would take fire this early and this easily. Now, I want to be cautious and I want to exercise a little humility. There will be a lot of chest thumping. There will be a lot of hooping and hollering over the next couple of weeks as the Sanders surge continues. And he is surging at just the right moment, I should say. And, and that's, not, that's not by mistake. He's not just mistake. Ah, well, it's lucky that he's surging at this moment. He's he's surging at this moment because up until this moment, all of the other quote surge. Remember the Warren surge? You remember that? Remember the well? We all remember the Buttigieg surge. Of course, he got another shot in the arm after he stole the election in Iowa. But all of these surges that have been uh, orchestrated by the media have all proven to have no legs. And Bernie's surge that we're witnessing right now is not a result of media spin. It's not a result of Democratic Party insiders' hype. It's not a result of strategic leaks to the press. It's not a a result of sweetheart deals with very corporate media entities. It's a result of boots on the fucking ground. It's a result of thumbs on the fucking cell phone screens. It's a result of countless phone calls. And now... Following Iowa, it's a result of canvassing and caucus participation. So in essence, what I'm saying is that this surge is a result of something real and concrete and tangible. And this is why we have had so much faith in the Bernie Sanders movement over the past 12 12 some odd months. Against all odds, we knew that when the rubber hit the road, we have the machine, we have the people, we have the enthusiasm, and we have the small donor dollars to get this thing done. If we had any flaw in this entire process, I would say that it was the, that we overestimated our opposition. <laughs> we overestimated the cohesiveness of our opposition. We overestimated the the the, the savvy, their, their, their sort of political savvy. We certainly overestimated the amount of dollars that they would be able to raise in an atmosphere wherein accepting big corporate donor dollars is a veritable death sentence, thanks to Bernie's political revolution. Of course, it's too early to start spiking footballs and doing touchdown dances. We have to put in the hard work. We have to keep donating our hard-earned dollars. We have to keep knocking on doors. We have to keep making phone calls. We have to keep sending text messages. We have to keep showing up big for our respective primary races. But I got to tell you, as a podcast host, as a sole proprietor, as the producer, as the editor, as the, the brain behind what I would say, if I, if I do say so myself, a leading socialist podcast, I'm thinking a lot more seriously about focusing my efforts and my attentions on thinking through the complexities and the implications of a Sanders presidency. 
because I have never in my life been more convinced that such a thing that I before, you know, dare not, dare not spoke its, its name was possible. Of course, we still have to beat Trump. We still have to turn out voters. We still have to realign the working class of this country in favor of a democratic socialist and left-wing populist agenda. I'll remain agnostic on the question of left-wing populism, but I digress. This concludes your free teaser of this week's B-Side. Head over to patreon.com slash deadpundits and subscribe today to hear the rest of this episode and to double your DPS pleasure each week.